0: Uh, it's good to see all of you. It feels like it's been a while and it's fun to, yeah, always just be in the same room together and we're a couple months into the new year now, which feels kind of crazy that we're already to March and we're like through all the holidays now, we're kind of settling into the, uh, the routine and the schedules and all that that entails and um, so my question for you this morning kind of as we're getting started is how many of you feel tired (laughs) as (laughs) lots of hands yes I raised my hand too yeah Uh, how many of you have felt overworked this week or stressed or overwhelmed Hands again, yeah. (laughs) Some of your hands go up really quick. Yes, that's me. Um, So I would say whenever I ask a question to somebody, how are you doing? If they're answering honestly, if I feel like I am getting the sense like they're not just kind of giving me the, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Keep walking. If they're actually giving me a true, honest answer to how are you doing the most common response that I get is, I'm tired, or I'm busy, or I'm stressed. I would say those are, the, those are the go-to responses. It seems like that is how all of us are feeling across the board. And I, to be honest, I, I understand that. I, I really do. I think this past fall, if somebody were to ask me, how are you doing, if I were to answer honestly, I would have probably broken down into tears, which isn't the best thing to do with the person who's begging your groceries. <laughs> Word to the wise there. Uh, but I was working full time, I was going to school full time, I was in my first trimester of pregnancy, and I was just so tired and so stressed and so overwhelmed, and I don't think that it was just that I had a busy schedule that was making me feel that way. I think that a big part of, of what I was feeling was all I could see was the doing that needed to get done. It was, it was taking everything out of me, just the, the doing, the, the to-do list was all I could see. And because of that, because I see this, this common theme among us, is that we're tired, and we're stressed, and we're overwhelmed, um, because, because I see that kind of all of us are, are feeling that way. We've been talking about bridges. That's been our theme for the gathering this year. And so today I want to talk about bridging the gap between doing and being. How do we move from a place of, of doing, thats where that's all we can see, to a place where we can allow ourselves to be and to rest? I think that we are a doing culture. We love and we seek to accomplish things because it gives us this instant gratification, we feel good, we've accomplished something, and that's seen in obvious things like our to-do list, we've got our grocery shopping, our meal planning, our our laundry, whatever it is, and and we, we, we like to have these tangible things that we can hold on to and we can say, this is what I have accomplished. But I think it's also seen it's seen in these things like our to-do list, but it's also seen in things like our relationships. We, we see this doing in our roles as a friend or as an employee or as a mom, as a wife. And even as followers of Jesus, we, we see these relationships and we turn them into a list of things that need to get done. And so our addiction to results, our, our addiction to doing, carries over into our relationship with God. We pray and we want to have these immediate responses, these immediate answers. We read our Bibles and we want to have something tangible that we can walk away with and say, this is what I got from my time with God. And... I think that if we are if we're honest with ourselves, we have these checklists of what's required of us to be in relationship with God. And maybe many of us don't even realize we have these checklists, but if we think about it, we have this, this list in our head of if we do A, B, and C for God, then this is what is supposed to happen. And so, how many of you at some point have been frustrated, or maybe you're currently frustrated, with the lack of movement that you see in your relationship with God? I know that I have had many seasons like that in my life, but... Do you have prayers that seem unanswered? Do you have these things where it feels like, how am, I, how am I still struggling with this? How am I still struggling with anxiety, with control, with people-pleasing, with perfectionism, fill in the blank, whatever it is that we're struggling with? We feel like we, we need to be able to do things to move us past those. So we, we do things that will, we think will get us to a place, the place that we want to be with God. We spend time, more time reading our Bibles, we spend more time in prayer, or maybe we don't do those things, and so we have the guilt and the shame because we, we aren't doing those things. But we want results. We are addicted to results as a culture. We're addicted to this accomplishing, and so we feel this pressure to constantly be moving and we're we're overwhelmed, we're tired. And a big reason why is because we connect our doing with our identity. The results and the changes that we see because of our doing are what make up who we are. If we're not accomplishing things, then we're not significant. And so we live as if our doing is determined by our being, or our being is determined by our doing, opposite way. (laughs) So I want to look at this through a tool. If you want to pull up the identity triangle, some of you may be familiar with this uh, tool that we've used in main church service before. We may have used it once or twice at a women's event. But I want to talk about it again this morning because I think it's really valuable in what we're talking about. So here at the top, we have the Father over to the right our identity, and over to the left is obedience. And before I get into kind of the details of this, I want to read you a verse that goes into the heart of this tool that we're going to be talking about. And Volanda actually shared it at the start of her worship set. So I want to share a couple verses from that passage again out of Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. It says, Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I love that last part of that verse, that it gave him great pleasure. And Volanda kind of highlighted that as she was leading us into worship as well. But it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family. This is something that he did before we had done anything. And while as Christians, we may know that to be true in our heads, when we get into the normal everyday routines of life, we can become so aware of our own lack of our own sinfulness, of how we do not measure up. And so if we go to the next slide, we can see that because we can become so aware of our own shortcomings, that can often lead us to come to the Father or to relate to the Father out of a place of fear. We move from the Father to our doing out of a place of fear because we recognize we don't measure up. I need to do something in order to be enough. And when we do that, we actually move from our obedience from our doing to our identity out of a place of slavery. That we have to do this in order to receive our identity. I have to do things in order to define who I am. That if I don't do these things, then I'm not significant, I'm not loved. And that leads us back to the Father in a place of shame. That we relate to the Father from a place of, of shame, of guilt, of I'm not enough. And so one way to look at this way of going around the triangle is we live as if our doing defines our being, as if what we do defines who we are. So that's one way of going around the triangle. If we go to the next slide, we can see there's another way. And that is when we believe the words of Ephesians to be true, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, then we can can come to our identity from a place of grace. We can receive that what he says about us is true, that it is not because of something that I've done. But we receive receive our identity from grace, and then we can move into our obedience, into our doing, out of a place of freedom, the exact opposite of slavery in the last slide. We we move into into action, into obedience from a place of freedom, of knowing who we are and being able to walk in that freely. And, And when we do that, we can relate back to the Father from a place of love. So the the way of looking at this way of going around the triangle is that our being defines our doing, that it is out of who we are that we can move freely into what we do. So versus the other way where our doing defines who we are. Here, who we are defines what we do. And we move into our doing out of a place of security, so I know that, that some of you may, have, may be familiar with this, this tool. You may have seen it before. And my guess is that for a lot of us, this isn't even a new concept, even if this tool is new or this visual is new. This is not a new concept. You're aware of this, that we, are, we receive our identity from God as a gift. But I think that for a lot of us, this, the, the unhealthy way of going around the triangle becomes this pattern, this cycle that we can so easily fall back into. It's so easy for us to become aware of our own brokenness, of our shortcomings, and to, to start moving from fear into our doing and to, and to live as slaves rather than to live freely. So I wanna look at what this looks like in the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter three, we see Jesus entering into his call to ministry. And up until this point, he has lived a pretty normal life. He hasn't necessarily accomplished anything uh, that we know of, he hasn't healed anyone, no water has been turned into wine, nobody's been raised from the dead at this point. But in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." So at this point, what has Jesus done for the Father? What has he accomplished? He got, he got baptized, that's right. But in our standards, Jesus hadn't really done anything noteworthy. He, up until this point, he had lived a normal life, he had a normal job, and his ministry hasn't begun yet, but God is speaking his worth and his value over Jesus' identity, And so Jesus' call to ministry was not about doing. That was not what the Father was calling Jesus into at this point. Jesus' call to ministry was all about being, about being the Son that the Father had already spoken that He was. So we move from Jesus' baptism then into the familiar passage in Matthew chapter 4. Where, uh, where Jesus is called into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4, says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Then the tempter approached, it, approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus' temptation here was to to receive his identity through doing and not through being, through the words that his father had spoken over him. The temptation was to go the wrong way around the triangle. Uh, Satan said to him, if you are the son of God... Then do this. So Jesus had already been told that he was God's son. He didn't need to prove that. But Satan came and tempted him to do something in order to prove that the identity that God had spoken over him was true. And I think that Satan's tactic hasn't changed much, he's not very creative and because how often is this the narrative in our own heads that if we can do the right things then we will be the right kind of christian the right kind of wife or mom or daughter employee fill in the blank we live as if our our being who we are is determined by our doing as if our identity is based on our performance But God speaks his identity over you before any of that, before you do anything, before you get out of bed in the morning. God is speaking over you, this is my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. I wanna give us a little bit of time to talk about this at our tables before we continue on with this. So we're gonna put up some questions on the screen. And the first question that I want you guys to talk about is what are areas in your life that you particularly feel the need to do in? Maybe you, it come, one comes right to your head, maybe it's being a mom, maybe it's uh, in your house, having a perfect house put together, maybe it's uh, within your job, whatever it is, or maybe, maybe you need some help to kind of talk it through to help identify that but what are are areas in your life that you particularly feel the need to do in? And then the next question, what are the pressures that keep you doing? So examples of that might be the expectations of others. You feel like these people expect you to meet these standards. It could be that... The pressure is is necessity, that these things actually really do need to get done. And so you feel the, the need to continue in this cycle. Or it could be guilt, it could be shame. So spend some time talking about that. And then if you have time, this last question, you can start thinking about what might God's invitation to you be in the midst of your doing? So if you have time to get to this question, I'd love for you guys to start thinking about that, but we're also going to have some application time at the end where we can spend a little bit more time thinking on our own of what is God inviting you into, but if you have time to kind of get the ball rolling, thinking about what might God's invitation to you be in the midst of your doing. So we're going to give you a little bit of time to talk about that at your tables, and then we'll come back together and talk some more. All right, thank you guys for engaging in that conversation. I don't it's hard to want to cut you guys off, but we're going to keep keep going here. And I would encourage you guys if if you still have things that you're wanting to talk to about this, wanting to process, find people that you can continue thinking about these things with talking about these things with and maybe you yeah maybe you need somebody to kind of help you help you see areas in your life where this has become a pattern or a cycle for you so don't let this be the end of that conversation but thank you guys for for engaging in that so as we continue on we've talked about the fact that that coming to god and being in relationship with him is is not about our doing so so what is it about it's our relationship with god is about being we want it to be about results we want it to be about our accomplishments about growth and and Yes, those things are, are a part of a healthy relationship with God. Uh, change and, and growth in God is, is a part of what it means to be in relationship with him. But that is, not, that is not the end goal. God is not after our efforts. He wants our surrender. And so relationship with God has to start with being. That is the source of our identity and and out of our being then our doing can come. God is the one who's the source of our transformation. And I think that so often we want to we want to be the source. We we want to conjure up change and growth and productivity and righteousness in ourselves. And we need to el- to let ourselves surrender to God, to allow him to work within us in his time and in his way. And as I was praying about what this practically looks like in our lives, I felt like God gave me two words, and that was surrender and trust. And one of the reasons I think that we are so tempted to continually move back towards doing and to relate to God and to others through what we can accomplish or what we can provide for them is because it gives us this sense of control. It gives us, it helps us feel like we have some part in determining what God says about us or what other people think about us. And God is calling us to loosen our grip to release some of that, to surrender our need to prove and to accomplish and to surrender to the identity that he has already spoken over you. To allow ourselves to receive from him, he's calling us to surrender. And to do that requires us to trust, to trust that that what God says about us is actually true, that we really are adopted into his family as daughters, that that is what he says about us. Our identity is given to us as a gift from him and is not a result of our doing. And we, we also have to trust that, that God sees our life, that he knows that, these things do need to be done, that your kids do need to be fed, and the laundry does need to be done, and the the paycheck does need to come in. But what would it look like for us to trust God with those things? So surrender and trust, to, to loosen our grip and to receive the truth of who we are from him and the truth of his sovereignty. That he's in control and he sees us. So I want to I move into some time of application for us. Looking at the question, how can we be people who receive our identity from a place of being? From a place of being a daughter that God is pleased with and and not from a place of doing, from a place of feeling like we have to do this in order to be accepted and loved and received. So some of you may be aware that yesterday was Ash Wednesday. Some of you may have never heard what Ash Wednesday is and that's okay. Ash Wednesday is the start of the season of Lent, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter. So traditionally in the church, uh, the, the time of Lent, the, the 40 days leading up to Easter, has been spent uh, as a time of fasting, of giving things up, doing things that prepare our hearts for this incredible good news of Easter. And so often people will do things like they'll give up social media, or they'll give up eating sugar, or they'll, uh, they'll do things that help them recognize their own need. We do things that help us recognize our need for God, uh, our weakness, our need for Jesus's death and resurrection. And those things are good. Doing those things is good. I've done them myself. I will do them again. Uh, hear me when, I'm say, when I say that doing is not, doing is not wrong. It is when our doing defines our being that we've missed God's heart. So as we enter into this season of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter, our temptation is to want to return to our our natural tendency to do. We hear about Lent and we think, oh, that's a great idea. What can I do that will that will help me prepare my heart for for Easter. What can I do? What What can I accomplish that will that will get me there? But my question for you as we enter into this season of Lent is how could God call us to enter more deeply into our identity this Lent season? How can we allow ourselves to be before him? Not what is God asking me to do in this season, but how is God asking me to be in this season? So going back to surrender and trust, what is God inviting you to surrender or trust him with during this Lent season that will draw you closer to a place of being rather than doing? So for some of you, this might mean surrendering the need to do everything perfectly, to just allow yourself grace that you will not do things perfectly, and to allow yourself to rest in that, to release yourself from that. Maybe you need to find a word that you can continually come back to, or a verse that you can say, uh, when you're feeling this temptation to, to perform or to perfect... Maybe for you this Lent season it means learning to say no to things. Maybe, maybe for Lent you need to, to practice saying no to opportunities that come up in your life. Or maybe for you it could be, it could be taking off your mask of having it all together and, and allowing people to see into the messy, vulnerable side of you and to allow God into that space. So maybe you identify with those things. Maybe for this season God is calling you to enter more deeply into your identity and he wants this to be a season where you can can receive what God is saying about you, what he's saying about your identity that's unattached to your doing. And so this might look like setting aside time for you to... Be with God, maybe 10 minutes a day, where you can set aside and you don't have an agenda, you don't have a list of things that you want to, to take from your time with God, but you can just allow yourself to be in his presence and to walk away and not have to evaluate that time, not have to look at, okay, what what was accomplished through that time, but just allow yourself to sit with him and to to rest in that and to rest in not needing to have something that is necessarily an accomplishment from that time with God? So, Or maybe some of you have something specific in your head. When we were talking, you, you quickly identified, this is an area of doing in my life, and, and what would it look like for God to call you out of that that specific thing for this season and to give that up? to To receive your identity from a place of being rather than a place of doing. So on your tables, there are little pieces of paper with bridges on them. And we're gonna give you a few minutes to spend some time with God, just thinking and asking him, what he is asking you to move from and what he is asking you to move to. So we talked about how the theme is bridges and we're talking about bridging the gap from doing to being. So is there an area where God God is asking you to, he's identifying an area that he's asking you to move from and what is he inviting you to move to in this season? For me, it was simple as I was praying about it. Uh, it wasn't anything revolutionary, but I felt like, for me, a place that I'm kind of holding on to, that I'm receiving identity and, and, um, and doing in an unhealthy way is, is this need for control as I'm planning for the future, as I'm going to have a baby here in a couple months, and just the need to control that, to have everything planned out, to have everything ready, to feel like I, I, I have it in my hands. And the verse that God has given me as I've prayed about this is out of Psalm 139, where it says, uh, one simple line that has stuck out to me is, God, you encircle me. And that's really struck me as I've been thinking and praying about this, that God is all around me, that I don't have to try to control everything. I don't have to try to do everything because my God surrounds me. He encircles me. And so for me, this Lent season, that's just a a verse that God is asking me to to meditate on, to come back to daily, to rest in that. So as we give you some time to just think and pray about this, um, maybe it's a verse that God is giving you, maybe it's a word, maybe it's an, uh, a specific thing that he's calling you to, to spend time with him in. We're going to give you a couple minutes to to think and pray about that, and then and. That's probably really not enough time. I always feel like those, those times of application when we're in a big group aren't ever enough for me to really feel like I can hear from God. So I would encourage you, if you feel like this is something that you're not able to fully process in this time, to, to continue asking God what he might be saying to you, what he might be inviting you into in this season. So we're going to give you a little bit of time to do that, and then we're going to end with some worship. So...